Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. What do the teachings of Jesus reveal to us? In Matthew 13.35 it says, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. A closer examination into this verse written by Matthew shows that he is quoting from Psalm 78. And Psalm 78 is a very unique and interesting psalm. It was written by Asaph, who was a prophet in the time of King David, but more than that, he had the very important job of making music in the tabernacle. He was the one who was responsible for playing the music that led worship before the tabernacle, where the Ark of the Covenant of God was. And he also wrote a number of psalms as part of this responsibility that he had for bringing praise in the form of music before God. And it is from one of his psalms, Psalm 78 in particular, that Matthew pulls this prophecy of Jesus opening his mouth in parables and bringing out these secrets to teach the people. And what makes this so very interesting is that this psalm, where these words that Asaph wrote are contained, is a psalm that points Israel back to their history so that they will have a better understanding of God's redemptive purposes for them in the future. And his reference to hidden things was an idea that by looking at the past, Israel could understand God's future plan for their redemption. So these words being taken by Matthew and applied to Jesus Christ under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Matthew was writing his gospel, this is extremely significant. Because Matthew is really putting an exclamation point on the position that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in himself. Matthew is going farther than just saying Jesus looked to the past and talked about the future redemption. Matthew is saying that in Jesus himself, Israel's entire history is embodied and that Jesus fulfills the old while ushering in the new within himself, within his life, within his teaching, within his death and resurrection and ascension. He actually fulfills the entire old covenant, which in reality is one giant collection of prophecy that points towards Jesus. And then through his teaching, he makes accessible to his hearers the new truths of the kingdom, secrets that are old. They've been there since the foundation of the world. But now Jesus is bringing to his hearers understanding through himself and his life and his teaching. And he's going to fulfill all of these old hidden things in himself and make them known to the whole world in his coming kingdom. But what are these hidden things that the prophet was talking about here? What are these hidden things that Matthew says the teachings of Jesus will put on display for everyone to see? In order to understand that, we actually have to look back into Israel's history. 
and understand what it was like to look forward from Genesis 3, where God first prophesied to Eve that the deliverer would come from the seed of the woman. This was the first prophecy about the Messiah, that the Messiah would be one who was human. He was born of woman. But at that time when God made that prophecy, that was all that they had to hope on. Adam and Eve, who were now driven from the Garden of Eden, who were living through toil and sweat and tears with the idea that they were going to die someday. They had gone from having immortality to suddenly being mortal. And all of this brought on them by the consequence of their own sin. They had only this promise to look forward to. Nothing else. They did not have a vast collection of sacred, inerrant writings that we have today to base their faith on. They had a promise from God. They didn't have a timeline. They didn't know if it was going to be in their lifetime or in their children's lifetime or in their great-grandchildren's lifetime. They didn't know what the process was that God was going to go about redeeming them specifically. All they had was two hopes. First, a hope that the promised Redeemer would come and would make things right. And second, that while they were waiting for the promised Redeemer, there was a system of sacrifice that God had established for them by which they could gain forgiveness from God. They could cover their sins in the meantime while they waited for this Redeemer that was going to take away their sin. And we know this because God clearly killed animals when he clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins in the garden. And then we see again that Adam and Eve's children took part in sacrifices. Well, they must have learned that from Adam and Eve. And so we have the very beginnings of the sacrificial system. And so already there is a hint that the Redeemer will come to make a sacrifice that will take away sin permanently, that the sacrificial system needed for atonement will be done away with, will be fulfilled within the Redeemer himself. But all the details beyond that are still hidden. They are unknown. But further down the road, we see God selecting Abraham and calling him out to make of him a great nation. And Abraham is shown the creation of God, and he puts faith in God that God will, through him, even though he is old and his wife is barren, preserve his line, and from that line, ultimately the promised deliverer will come. And we know that to be true because God tells Abraham that through his seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In other words, redemption will come to all people through Abraham's line. And Abraham has faith to look forward to the promise of God. Even though at times that faith wavered and he tried to make his own path to meet that redemptive promise, God still was faithful to Abraham and ultimately Isaac was born and God fulfilled his promise. And further down the line, God fulfilled his word to Abraham because he told Abraham that after his descendants went down into Egypt, they would be there and would serve Egypt for 400 plus years. But then after that, he would provide a deliverer. And so we can begin to see this picture of the hidden things coming together. But still, most of what we know about the plan of salvation, about scripture, about Jesus, was completely unknown to these Old Testament people. Abraham had faith in God's promises, but beyond that, he didn't know much about anything about how God was going to affect his redemptive plan. 
And even after Moses is sent back to Israel by God from the burning bush to deliver them, to bring them out of Egypt with a strong hand, and God does all the plagues on Egypt, and Egypt releases the Israelites, and they go through the Red Sea, and they come into the wilderness, and they're making ready to worship God, and they're at the foot of Mount Sinai where God is going to give them the law, they still only have the promises to go on. But God has revealed himself to them in these amazing ways that he is going to do the things that they cannot. And he institutes the official law and the sacrificial system. And now we have a slightly more advanced picture of what God is going to do. But they had a few more clues than the people before them. All of the atoning sacrifices that dealt with sin involved the blood of a slain animal. This would mean clearly that without blood, there was no remission of sins. So the final deliverer, when he came, would have to come and offer up a sacrifice of blood that would be eternal. But still, the full detail of God's redemptive plan for mankind lay hidden, lay shrouded in a mystery, and the people had to trust in their God and in his promises and obey his law and look forward to the hope that they had in this coming Redeemer, in order to find favor with God. This was what their hope was in, a future that God had promised in which he would not fail, and he had given them more and more evidence that he would not fail, because he had met them along the way, because he had given them his law, because he had showed up in amazing supernatural ways over and over and over again. He had punished them when they had disobeyed. He had blessed them when they had obeyed. He had protected them from enemies when their hearts were worshiping him. And he had let enemies overtake them when they had worshiped idols instead of him. But still the redemptive picture was not yet complete. There was more to the story, more treasure that needed to be brought out of this hidden storeroom of knowledge that God had laid up since before the foundation of the world. There were things that could not yet be understood because the Deliverer had not yet come. And even in Psalm 78, where Asaph talks about opening up these hidden teachings that were there since the foundation of the world, even he is working with limited understanding. He is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but his understanding is limited in its depth, in its width, and in its scope. And he does not have the full picture of what Jesus would bring in the form of redemption to mankind. But God was not done. He sent the prophets to his people, men who were filled with the Holy Spirit, who spoke the words of God, who prophesied great things that the people of Israel heard and mostly disobeyed. They gave a picture of this coming Messiah, prophets like Isaiah who talked about the suffering servant who would bear the sins of the world on his back, who would make atonement in himself, who would be broken for our sins and crushed for our transgressions. And so the picture became clearer and the hidden things became more visible, but only just a little bit. And these prophets foretold of this man that would come, of this one who, like God had prophesied in Genesis 3, would be born of woman and would make all things right in himself. But still the hope was unrealized. Still the hope rested in the promise, rested in the revelation given to the prophets, but all of it was based on God's original promise that a deliverer would come from God who would break the curse of sin on this earth and would save his people. But then Jesus came. 
And Jesus began to unfold within himself and through his teaching the hidden mysteries of the covenant. The fact that all of the Old Testament is actually a prophetic document that points forward to a coming Redeemer that would be the perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world. That he would be the Lamb whose blood would be shed for the remission of sin. Jesus began to teach what his kingdom would be like, and that this wasn't a new plan or a reaction from God the Father, that these plans for Jesus to come and die for the world, for Jesus to set up his kingdom and to reign over all the created realm, had actually been set up in the eternity before time, before creation. These hidden things which the Old Testament patriarchs and the prophets and the godly kings of Israel and the godly people of Israel had only looked forward to in the hope of a promise were now being made real and alive right in front of the people of Matthew's day. And Matthew was recording this so that people like us, 2,000 years after Jesus Christ, would know that Jesus was revealing things hidden from before the foundation of the world. That God's heart was not new. God's heart for man was old. It had always been a heart that was filled with love for mankind. It had always been a heart that was going to pursue man to the very end, even while man was pursuing sin instead of God and dying in the pursuit of his sin. You see, in Jesus, all these mysteries are answered. All of these hidden things are made visible. Because he has accomplished all of the Old Testament. He has fulfilled it all. And he has become the eternal sacrifice in which all of us who need a Savior can hope. Every human being is under the judgment of God because of sin. But Jesus came and made clear the promise that a Redeemer would come And he fulfilled the pictures of the Old Testament. He sacrificed himself in our place. He took our punishment. His blood was shed so that we could know righteousness. He stood in the gap and absorbed the wrath of God that we should have borne for our transgressions. And he gave us his righteousness, which we could never earn. And so the importance of the teachings of Jesus is this. That they revealed the truths, the hidden truths of God's heart for mankind from the foundation of the world, his plan to rescue mankind from the foundation of the world, and his sovereignty over all of history, all of creation, all of redemption, all of salvation, and all of judgment since the foundation of the world. Before Jesus, it was a hope. Since Jesus, we have assurance. And because of Jesus, those of us who are his disciples, who have given up our life to follow Jesus Christ and have begged him for forgiveness, can be assured that we have a hope that will not fail in the future. Because the hope of those to whom God first prophesied the Redeemer was fulfilled in the teaching, life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, and he will return to gather his people who are hoping and waiting for his return.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.